this uh, series on marriage, and you know, as five times we're going to be talking about it here. Last week was the first time. Uh, this is the second. And every time I get up here, I just want to ask you as we step into this just for a lot of grace and understanding because uh, I do not want you to think for a minute that I'm sharing with you something I have all together. I've been married in May, or June will be married whenever it is, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) 25 years, and I still feel like an absolute, you know, kid in it. So... uh, I just, I want to be really honest with you. I believe that this uh, series is a way that as uh, friends, we can come together around this, what the Bible says about marriage and together walk through it in community instead of, hey, here's what I know. Let me share it with you. This is the opposite of what I would like to do or be doing. And a couple of things. One, if you're, if you're single in here, there are a lot of different ways you could be taking this. One is like, oh, yeah, I want to be married, so let me hear that stuff. Another one is, hey, marriage didn't work out so well for me. Uh, I'm really struggling with this, so I'm not sure that I want to have, I don't know if I want to hear this, and I understand that too. But let me suggest uh, another option, and that is that the model of marriage, this thing that we're talking about, is something that is applicable to all kinds of relationships. Father to son, son to father, to, to a friend, to siblings, In every direction you can think, all of these principles we're going to talk about, you can take, I can take, and use them in relationships that I have. So if you're struggling, if this is something that's hard for you, and I I want to be sensitive to that and, and understand that, there are other ways to apply this and other ways to be thinking about how this works out. So maybe um, change the word marriage into friendship or things like that. And let's, let's make this work for, for all of us because the, the, the truths are the same. We're, we're shining the light on the word of God to find out what he says about marriage. It's not what Scott says. It's not what a psychologist says. It's not what, you know, experience tells us. We're just looking at what the word says. So let me just throw that out to get started. And we're all in this together. Um, also, just to, a word to my single friends. Uh, I, I need you to speak into my marriage. You can see things that I can't see. And you're aware, you're like, oh, what is he doing that for? You know, why did she say that? That seems weird. Confront us and talk to us about it. We're in this together. Okay, so having said all that, uh, let me give you a just real fast outline of where we're going with all these messages. Last week, we talked about the reason for marriage. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about the foundation of marriage. Uh, next week, uh, friendship in marriage, and the week after that, love and respect in marriage, and then finally, sex in marriage. So those are the, the five messages. And I want to back up and just review for a moment that reason for marriage. Uh, for those of you who weren't here, and also for those of you who, like me, can't, can't really remember what was said last week. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, we're going to be in Ephesians 5, by the way. That's going to be kind of the heart of where we're coming from this whole time. Uh, The reason for marriage is to reflect the relationship of Christ with the church. That's the reason for marriage. When we come in to marriage expecting that it's going to be something where we get our needs met, where we're fully satisfied, what we're doing is creating something that wasn't what it was originally meant 
to be. You can call a lot of things marriage. But biblical marriage, and that's what we're talking about, that is, it's not, um, what, what it means is a ref, it is a reflection of what God has created. It is a powerful illustration of the most loving, romantic, sacrificial, exciting relationship ever created. That's what marriage is. It's a reflection of that. Thinking that is all going to be a part of your marriage may be uh, a misplaced expectation, but it's a reflection of that. Uh, Look at 531. We'll put it up on the wall here. This is Paul. This is, this is my little, Paul's little definition of marriage. A man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and vice versa, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to or reflects Christ in the church. So last week I brought up the idea that uh, we have some artists in our body. Uh, one is Mike Mahoney. I asked him to bring one of his paintings here. I'm not going to try to move it. I'll just leave it over there. I hope you all can, can see it. Um, when, when Mike paints something, he has something else in mind. So those are, I'm pretty sure those are birds, right, Mike? You knows. Yeah. I shouldn't have asked that guy. <laughs> I said, how are you doing? Somebody's, I heard somebody ask Mike how he was doing this morning. He goes, who knows? So, I'm not sure. This is a reflection of a real thing. Okay? Right? When Mike paints this, he has something in mind that he wants to communicate to us about the real thing. And this looks different to all of us. We all interpret it a little bit differently. But most of us know that there are birds in a setting and there's probably some water, and that might be sky or clouds, but all of that is reflecting birds in flight. And they look playful, right? You don't look at that and go, mm, those birds are sad, right? He's communicating a message to us through this, this painting. And so I just want to continue to reemphasize as we go through this series that marriage is not an end in itself. It is a reflection of something else. And as soon as we make it an end in itself, as a place where we go to make ourselves be fed and filled and completely whole, what we've done is we've started to create something that isn't what it was meant to be. We've got uh, the word marriage, we're using it as a synonym with another word. So this is just an idea that I want to express to you when when we're engaged in marriage, we're reflecting what this incredible love and sacrifice that Jesus has between himself and the church. And that's the main point. What is the foundation that we're going to talk about today? Uh, what's the canvas that the marriage relationship is painted on? What's underneath it? What supports it at, at all the points of the painting? That foundation is simply this, is sacrifice. The foundation, the canvas of marriage is sacrifice. Sacrifice. And so what I want to do is just unpack that idea of sacrifice as we see it in this passage. Uh, in three, three points I want to make about it. Sacrifice and humility. I want to look at those two things. Sacrifice in one question. And then sacrifice in abiding in Jesus. So let's look at, at sacrifice and humility for a moment. Um, 
At the beginning of the passage, Paul gives his thesis. And so what I want to do is, is see what he is trying to tell us when he starts this whole thing that he's going to explain marriage within in chapter 5. So look at it with me, if you will, in verse five, I mean, chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Therefore, all of you in the church who are believers, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Now, humility... We're going we're gonna to back up just a bit. The word sacrifice is where we're going to focus, but we're going to back up and just say that humility is always considered something that is good in marriage, right? Setting ourselves aside or put, making another person more important than ourselves is typically what the definition of humility is. Because when we come to describe a healthy marriage, uh, we don't, you typically don't have it described like uh, a, a Broncos game, like... The Broncos dominated the other team completely. They gave them, you know, no first downs and they scored 35 points. And, you know, they... For one half. Yeah. <laughs> do you hear that? They do that for one half. Do we have any Broncos fans, Kevin? Okay. Whatever. Um, I, just used the, I just used the Broncos to connect with you. But so we love to hear a game described as our team dominating the other team, right? Yes. Just killing them. That's awesome, right? Well, that's not how you describe a great marriage, is it? Right? But it, sometimes that's what marriages are like. One's just dominant, or they're both of us, and this is how Claire and I, we're both trying to make the other one kind of do what we want to do. Right, so we're going to both win somehow by making the other person help me win. You know, so there's this thing going on where we, we would never describe a healthy marriage as two people, you know, just dominating and overbearing one another and always being right. We would say, hey, a healthy marriage looks like people who are acting humbly towards one another. Right? I mean, they're just kind of obvious on the face of it to us. Uh, when a marriage is reflecting... Christ and the church, humility will be a part of that within that, that um, relationship. But in, in the Bible, humility and sacrifice are really close together. They're like, they're like two threads, of, two different threads that make up a fabric. But in our culture, humility and sacrifice are two different things. So hold on to that in your mind for a second. You know, if you were to study humility and sacrifice through the scripture, they would really look very similar and be tied together and inexorable with each other. But with sacrifice, there is something that is, is completely different when we talk about it in, in our culture. Because humility is a good thing. I might give up something. I might act humbly towards a friend or towards my spouse, you know, give up a preference or something like that. But sacrifice means something that is very much different. It means to actually totally and forever give up that thing, right? Because when you sacrifice something, does it sprout wings and grow again? Sacrifice means that it's gone. That's a hard thing to think about, isn't it? When we reflect, just like it said in verse one, when we reflect Christ and his relationship with the church, yes, humility, but Christ's humility was sacrifice, 
And, and here's another thing. Uh, that sacrifice is voluntary. Just let your mind run on any one of these pieces. Sacrifice is voluntary. And sacrifice in God's economy is sacrificing the very best thing. The very best thing was sacrificed for something that wasn't worthy. So sacrifice and humility mean something different in our culture, and we, kinda, we need to reconnect those things. But Paul goes on, he describes uh, sacrifice in, in another way. If you look down at verse 21, he uses the word submitting. So he, he's given this thing up to 21. He says, sacrifice like Jesus did, and one of those things you should do is to be submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another equally in reverence to Christ. So this word submit is another way to say sacrifice. Uh, Both parties are choosing to put themselves uh, under the other person. And when that happens... Whenever you sacrifice or submit for another person, at the same time you make that act of sacrifice, okay, follow with me here, an equal measure of trust is kind of created at the same time. And so if I'm sacrificing for my wife and I'm setting aside this desire, I'm permanently sacrificing this good thing that I have always dreamed of and wanted and hoped for and thought was best, at the same time I offer that up, I'm creating this, this other uh, huge vacuum of trust that that person cannot fill for me. And that's the beauty of knowing Christ because we can put that thing on him. That we trust him with what we cannot get from our spouse or our friend or our parent or whoever it is because we've created the same amount of, um, do you see this negative space of trust that has, to be, that has to be covered for us because we can't just continue to give ourselves up and give ourselves up and give ourselves up. And nothing happens. We'll talk more about this at the end when we talk about abiding in Christ. I've watched uh, a few messages by a guy named Andy, Andy Stanley on marriage, and he's, he has some good things to say. And one of, the, one of the things he points to in this area of sacrifice, he says, when we get married, or before we were married, we bring all these desires, all these things we want out of marriage or expect or think it's going to be. He said, what we do is then we move those desires, like uh, we'll have this kind of house and we'll have this kind of dog and picket fence. We'll have this, you know, my wife, I'll just be honest, my wife will be an exhibitionist. You know, the guys think that. Um, whatever it is that we think is our desire for our marriage, all you guys can check that box. I know you can. That's why I said it. So, but we put those things in the box of expectation. And expectations are things that we think somebody owes us. Okay? And his whole point was by humility, as he called it, taking those things out of the expectation box and putting them back in the desire box. Things that we hope for, but we don't expect. Because he, here's what happens. When I have a box of things that I expect someone to do for me, then I move into a relationship that is a... Uh, a debtor relationship. So my spouse or my friend or my parent owes me something that I expect from them. 
I think, I believe that this is, this is what's right. And my friends have all told me this is what's right. I expect this to come to me. Now, let me just illustrate this real quick. If I owe CenturyLink money, that's when they call me personally, right? They don't ever call me personally any other time. And if I call them, I got to punch a bunch of buttons. Like I got to, in fact, like if we have to call CenturyLink, Carrie does this kind of stuff uh, for us. She sets aside a couple of hours to go through the process to just talk, eventually talk to someone and try to get something done. But in a debt and debtor relation, when you owe something to the bank, they call you. And the only time they call you and talk to you is when you have a debt, when you owe something, when they believe you owe them something. And so that's what happens in these relationships when we move from sacrifice and humility to expectation, then we have someone who owes us something. There's a debt that needs to be paid. And so the only time I communicate is when that debt's not being taken care of. Let me call you up and say, hey, you didn't do this right for me. Right? This is how... This, this is often how I operate. So uh, this concept of sacrifice is critical to us understanding what this foundation, this thing that the painting of marriage is, is created upon. But then there's this, this one question that I want to encourage you to ask. But before I tell you what that question is, we need to look at a couple of lines within this, this passage in, in Ephesians 5 that are often misunderstood. And because they are, I want to start with verse 25. Is This is where he speaks to men. Okay, read this with me. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and sacrificed himself completely for her. Now, the problem with this passage is that, that it comes after 21. And in the church and with men, and I don't know why we have done this because over the year, but 21 has been emphasized, excuse me, 22 has been emphasized over 21 and over one, verse one. Remember in 21, it said, submit to each other. And remember in in the first verse, he says, love each other like Christ, sacrifice. And then he just breaks it out. He says, women, submit to your husbands and husbands, submit to your wives like Christ submitted in the same way. Okay, so let's, if we could just, I don't know where you come from on this, but could you just scrape that stuff out of your mind that you've heard or been taught? I don't, it doesn't matter who taught you because we're looking at the scripture. Okay, we're looking at the Bible and that's going to be our authority for this. If you're listening in here today. So it says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up completely and utterly for her. Now, guys, if we really do that, how would that, just looking at guys, if you're married, how would that transform our marriages if our wives knew that about us on a daily basis? Oh, my goodness. Okay, now, I'm only going to, I'm just going to read this and make no comment because, but in 22, it says, wives, submit to your husbands, to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to everything, in everything to their husbands. Now, he does write a little bit more to you women. Maybe just to convince you. I don't know. 
You get like two verses and we get one, but they're both the same thing. Okay. So let's just let that, the whole passage speak to us and not let anybody pull out one thing and say, this is what it's all about. Because two people are making the painting together. So the question, really, I said there's one question, but there's two, because you have to ask yourself one before you can ask the other person the second. And the, the unspoken question, the personal question, is how can I sacrifice for my spouse? Or how can I spa- sacrifice for this person who's in your mind that you're, that, that you're in a relationship with? How can I sacrifice? If you can ask yourself that to prepare yourself this is the first step towards application. Do you see what I mean? How can I, how can I be ready to sacrifice my preference or my need or whatever it is when it, it comes time? How can I be prepared for that? And here's the verbal question. I got this from a guy named J.D. Greer. If you can ever listen to him, I think he's a, a great speaker. And it's pretty simple. He says, the question that you ask them is, is how can I serve you? Now, I... I gathered this from him about three weeks ago. How can I serve you? And I haven't asked Claire this yet. So we're in this together, okay? Uh, But the first question is how, I have to ask myself, how can I sacrifice? Can I be ready to sacrifice? And then I may not even have to ask the question, how can I serve you? This is a transformational question in relationships, any relationship. How much trust do you gain? How much uh, expression of, of love and, and, and connection can you, how much more could you express than saying, how can I serve you? It's powerful. For if you ask a child, your child that, your friend, your spouse, your parent, man, I don't want to ask my parents that. I don't even want, I don't want to ask Claire because I'm, af- I'm afraid I can't trust what she will say. And that's the beauty of being able to, uh, to put that um, on Christ, that trust. The other day, uh, by the way, you, you guys who shovel snow, you are hosses. I'm just going to say right up front. Uh, when I go on my roof to shovel my roof, it is a mission. It takes all of my, everything I've got to get up there and put all that stuff on and hook into the roof and start shoveling the roof and breaking those ice dams out. And I was breaking this huge ice dam out, almost done with it, launched the, the mallet. And then all the snow goes on it. You know, so of course it's gone. I'm, it's deep in, in there. So I was up on the roof for about four hours as I was determined to finish cleaning my roof off. And it got dark. It had been dark for an hour. My gloves were totally frozen. My pants were frozen. I was freezing. Every, I was on a steep part. It's like, every part of it. And I knew in my mind, I knew Claire had the whole family together. I knew she was working hard to prepare for them. I knew that she was going to come out at some point and say, hey, can you come down and have dinner with us? She doesn't know what it's like to shovel the roof. And I'm thinking in my head, how am I going to do this? So I had two options. One was to, when she came out, say, oh yeah, it'll just take me 15 minutes to climb back up the roof but I'll get over there and, and be right down and I'll finish this another time. Or I could say, I've got to finish this. No matter, even though I knew it was important to her. 
sadly, when she came out just below me and said, hey, can you come in? I know exactly what she wants. I had even thought about how could I sacrifice for her? Yes. Nope. (laughs) Unbelievable. I said, hey, I've got to finish this. And I could, I mean, it was pitch, it was dark and I could see her countenance change. And she's like, okay. And she went back in. Okay. That's just a small example, but that's kind of how relationships go. These little things come up, right? It's just one little thing after another instead of just these huge things. So if I could have said, yeah, I, I value this concept of sacrificing for Claire anything, especially just finishing this project, uh, and, and that reflects the relationship of Christ with the church. That, that would have meant so much to her. But I, I couldn't do it. Here's the deal. Y'all, our spouses, our parents, our friends, honestly, they don't deserve to be sacrificed for. Because Jesus had to die for them. Okay? If they were perfect and great and going to meet all your needs and do, you know, and your girlfriend or boyfriend was going to make it right for you, then he wouldn't have had to die for them because they're perfect. But he did. And so they're not going to be the perfect person. He had to die for that person. So they have problems. They probably won't deserve to be served. But here's the deal. They may not, but Jesus does. And did you see in the verse, he says, um, back in, um, where does he say it? Twenty-one says, "Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ." Submit to one another out of reverence. In other words, it doesn't say, "Hey, submit to Vince because he's such a great guy. He's so handsome and loving, and he's always perfect." It says, "Submit out of reverence for Christ." That's a totally different thing. So that's the question. There's one behind the, the verbal one. And then one last thing that I want to share with you before we turn to communion, where we can take this stuff to, to Jesus himself, is this idea of sacrificing, or sacrifice in abiding in Jesus. Um, there is, it, it is, there's always a, something good about white knuckling it and holding on and holding your breath and powering through. We've all had to do that in all of our relationships or some relationships that we've had. But the real change, the real progress, the real hope and trust comes in abiding in Jesus. I don't know if you've ever bought a plant here, but if you buy a wildflower here that's growing and you take the, the, uh, the bucket off the, what's it in? The pot off, the little plastic pot, and you like leave it in the sun for 30 to 40 seconds, it's like... Completely dried up and done. I, I love the picture that we have for the idea of, oh, be joyful people abiding in Christ. Because it's, it's a picture of a hand with some soil and a, a plant. And, and the idea is that, that, that the roots of that plant are never just exposed to whatever, but they're in this soil and they're growing in this, this soil that is maintained. It's, it's healthy. It's, it's Christ's soil. And from there, we have the freedom to actually do this thing that is sacrifice. Only when we're in that, but when we're not, there is no power to grow, no power to change. So abiding in Christ is critical, knowing him. 
I want to read you a passage from 1 Peter that just is an encouragement to me in this. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that the proper time he can lift you up or exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Um, Following Jesus in sacrificing for another person who doesn't deserve it is um, is very hard and, and means that we have to humble ourselves and take that thing that is the trust that is, is going to have to be met somewhere, and it says, throw it on Jesus. You can put it on him. He can take that. And when we abide in him and we soak in that truth of what he's done for us and who, he, and who we are in him, then we can lay that thing on him. And that's where that abiding him makes it possible for us to be, continue to paint the painting. And I love how it says, he will reward you. There's a promise there. And a reward means he will make it worth it. He will make it worth it, not your spouse or your friend or your parent. This is the beauty of knowing Jesus, okay? It's not you white-knuckling holding on on some idea that you and I have about marriage, but because we know who he is and because we are rooted in him, we have the possibility of having relationships that reflect what he has done for the church. So let me close with just saying this. The foundation or the canvas of the painting is sacrifice. And the start of that, the start of painting that is actually, is not to be focused on that, but to look at Jesus and his relationship with the church and what he did and let that inform what gets painted together. Let me pray, and then Al's going to lead us in communion, and we will finish for the morning. God, thank you for the relationships that are represented here. God, I I don't want to go even one second more without just uh, lifting up my friends, my dear friends in here who have had uh, suffering around marriage. And Lord, each of us who is married has had some time in which there has been some very... uh, very much dashed expectations, hopes. Uh, Lord, And even when we've submitted and hung on and, and held on to you, Lord, things still haven't gone well. And so, Lord, I just lift up every person in here who is struggling with that. I just want to, as a body, we come together and we just uh, wrap our arms around each one of us, wherever we are in that. Uh, Lord, there's no one that's less because something didn't work out or more because something did. It's, it's, that's not the point. We're just a community of people trying to follow you. And we're all broken and we're all um, struggling with that. And so, Lord, let us love each other sacrificially, even one another. And, and let, let that be uh, the, a message that's communicated from this body. Uh, Lord, we turn to you now in, in a few moments of just uh, reverence and uh, chance to remember what you did for us. So in his name, amen.